Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's a wonderful song, wonderful song and uh, thank you, Brother Reemers, for that. If your Bibles are open to the book of Job, chapter 13, uh, recent days have caused me to go back and spend a little bit of time with Mr. Job. And I've, I've, over the last 15 or so years, I've just grown to find this to be one of my favorite books of the Bible and uh, so forth. And we know his trials, we know his story and his testimony almost like the back of our hands. Even the unsaved world refers to the patience of Job. They may not know all of the details and all of the parts of scripture about his story, but there's something about this man and the way he handled adversity and suffering uh, that has become an example, again, that even the unsaved world follows. Throughout the book of Job, as he does utter his complaint before the Lord, he's, he's suffering. Uh, he's lost his, not just his wealth uh, and his health, he lost 10 children. Uh, he's uh, gone from the, the wealthiest man in the East Country to living in a dump in an ash heap with some type of a disease that left his skin blackened, that left him covered with sores, and, and the Bible tells us that he scraped those sores with uh, potsherds, uh, broken pieces of pottery. Uh, his own wife looked at him and says, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Then his three friends showed up, and I've often said with friends like that, who needs relatives? Um, and they supposedly came to commiserate with him, and all they did was add to his misery. And uh, they, they just they were, they were relentless in their attacks upon him. And so Job was left by himself. You know, it's one thing when we go through struggles and we have a church family around us to help us through it. And, and I, I don't think we fully comprehend how blessed we are here. Uh, it, it truly is a place when, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one weeps, we all weep. That is just the way a church family works. Job didn't have a church. He had no such uh, spiritual family to encourage him. He was one man alone against everything. Um, and as he sometimes lifts his complaint, often through the book of Job, he's just talking about his reality. Yet scattered through this remarkable book, this man makes some of the greatest statements of faith that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. We're going to look at one of those tonight. And uh, I, I realize there's a lot to follow and, and uh, appreciate you being here and all of that for a little bit of a birthday celebration. But uh, as nice as that's going to be, as much as I'm looking forward to totally destroying my diet after church tonight, uh, may we just take a few moments and focus on the teaching of God's word because that's where it's at. Uh, that's what will really sustain us. Uh, Job is several months into his trial. He has stated earlier that he's had wearisome months, uh, long days and long nights, and he's in the middle of the conflict with those three friends of his. And notice what he says in verse 15. Job 13, verse 15. We read it with Brother Carson. He says, though he slay me, he's talking about the Lord, saying if the Lord should choose to take my life. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though the worst should ever happen, I'm not going to stop 
trusting in God. Keep your place here and see if you can find the book of Habakkuk. That is not even fair, is it? Now, everybody on your digital, you're already there. I understand that. Uh, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, then Matthew. That probably didn't help you at all. The book of Habakkuk closes with similar words, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The prophet Habakkuk had seen a situation he didn't understand. He didn't understand God's dealings uh, with the nation of Judah, with the nation of Babylon and so forth. And then and God instructed him and, and God taught him some things. Verse 17 in Habakkuk chapter three says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. They were an agrarian society. If the fields didn't produce, if the trees didn't produce, if the, the flocks and the herds perished and died, their economy was gone. That's all really that they had. And Habakkuk has come to the same conclusion as Job. Though the worst that could happen happens, he said, I'm still gonna rejoice in the Lord. The Lord God is my strength. To have such a faith that is so strong in the worst of adversity. Going back to Job 13, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And then he makes a statement that arrested my attention recently. He said, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. I will maintain mine own ways before him. We want to look at that statement tonight. That is not the arrogant statement of a man saying, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Sometimes people are like that. That is not what Job was saying. And we'll, we'll look at this, this phrase in detail in a moment. Uh, Job was actually declaring a decision of his heart at such a critical time in his life. Again, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. The word maintain, I always look up words in the Bible uh, even if I know the meaning, I want a full understanding. And according to Strong's uh, Dictionary, the word maintain uh, means to be right. I will make sure that my ways are right. To be right. It means to make course corrections. When planes are coming into an airport, sometimes the, the, the air traffic controller will, will tell them that they need to make a minor course correction uh, to so many degrees or whatever. And so they, they will make that and he'll say, now maintain your course. And, and the whole idea is make sure that you're going in the right direction. You're coming in at the right altitude uh, and, and so forth at the right speeds. They're watching all of those uh, details. That's what the word maintain says. So Job is in a, in a situation in life. His life's been turned upside down. He has no answers. Um, he does not know if he will ever have answers. Job went from the richest man of his day to a man in abject poverty. 
He went from a, a man with a large family of 10 uh, children uh, whom he loved and respected, and they are all gone. They are buried, and he knows they're not coming back. He'll see them in heaven, but they're not coming back to him. His health is gone. He has no idea if he'll ever make another uh, uh, day's living again or if he'll always be in poverty. Job does not know if he'll ever be healed. And on top of all of this, he doesn't know why any of it happened. Um, that's, that's a hard place to find yourself. And Lord willing, none of us will ever find it as, as harshly as Job did. But there he is in such a situation. He says, but in spite of this, I've made a decision. I'm going to maintain my ways before him talking about God. He made a decision, vital decision. He talks about this in some other places. Look at Job chapter two. Job chapter two. This is right after he lost his health. The second attack that Satan was allowed to pour out upon him. Verse number nine of Job chapter two. Then said his wife unto him, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Retain is a verb. The integrity is the moral uprightness of Job as a believer, as a human being. Job was on purpose retaining his integrity. At any moment in that trial, he could have got, gone off on a tirade against God. He could have gone off on a tangent of cursing and swearing, a temper tantrum. Uh, he could have thrown his hands up and said, if this is the way God's going to treat me after a life of faithfulness, that I'm all done with God. The word retain means that he purposely held on to his integrity. He chose, I don't care what my circumstances are. I am not going to become a lesser man because of it. I am not going to become a lesser type of believer just because life has gotten difficult and I don't understand. He on purpose retained, held on to, maintained his integrity. Even his wife knew that he was doing it on purpose and she was losing hers. She was losing her grip on her own integrity, curse God and die. Um, not a, not a good place to be. By the way, before we criticize and condemn Mrs. Job, spend one day in her life. Spend one day in her life. Some of us lose it on far less than that, don't we? Job retained his integrity. Job 27. Job 27. Verse number one, moreover, Job continued his parable and said, as God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment and the almighty who hath vexed my soul. Now he's not accusing God here. He just sees that anything that happened to him, God has allowed it to happen. And for reasons he does not comprehend, he doesn't know about the confrontation between Joe or God and Satan in heaven. He has, he, he's not clued into that. We have no evidence he ever was. Um, but, but, but Job is seeing if, if this is in my life, it is because God's allowed it. Uh, understand he's not accusing and angry with God here. And you'll see that in a moment. All the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. Look at this. My lips shall not speak wickedness. 
Oh, how we lose our testimony when we lose our temper. And how we lose our temper when we lose our way. He said, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now he's talking to his friends. God forbid that I should justify you. He, they wanted him to say, I, I've sinned. I've done this terrible wrong thing. And, 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 and here it is I'm out with. And that's why God's judged me. Job knew that he hadn't done anything wrong. God didn't let it happen because Job did something wrong. God bragged on Job and said, hast thou considered my, Job that there, uh, my servant Job that there's none like him in all the earth? God forbid that I should justify you. Till I uh, die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. And there again is that, that willful choice. Um, there's never going to come a time in my life when I'm going to drop my integrity and just let it all out. I'm going to stay right with God till I die. My righteousness, verse number six, I hold fast and will not let it go. He's not talking about self-righteousness now. He's talking about that life that he had chosen to live while everything was good. When he was, when he was blessed and God had put a hedge about all that he had, he lived for God. He, uh, uh, he eschewed evil. He loved righteousness. The Bible said he feared God. He was a just man. He said, I'm not, I'm not changing that. My righteousness, I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. I'm not going to do anything that I'm going to regret. I'm not going to do anything that is going to leave me with a guilty conscious. This is in the middle of his trials. Can we just do a time out here? It's one thing for us to profess our love for God when God's blessings are evident. It's a far greater thing to have the same level of faith and trust and love for God when the blessings of God just don't seem to be there. And we're going through a Job moment. This man is, is a, uh, he's a, a, a paragon of virtue and faith. He's someone for us to look at and to learn from. Again, my heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Verse seven, let mine enemy be as the wicked. He that riseth up against me as the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he hath gained when God taketh away his soul. Um, he just, he's not, just not given up. He said, hypocrites have nothing to look forward to. Because someday they're going to stand before God and I'm determined that when I stand before God, I'm going to be right with God. Not more right than God. I just want to be right with God when that day comes. So Job is a man who throughout this book makes these remarkable statements. And we go back to chapter 13, if you would, as Job says, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. I want you to notice some things about this decision in Job's life. First of all, it was a very clear decision. It's, it's not ambiguous in any way. There is, there is an intensity about this. Um, it is on purpose. Uh, Job is not fumbling through his relationship with God. He feels like he's stumbling through life. He, he talks about how it, his days are filled with darkness because he doesn't know what's happened, why it's happened, what's going to happen next, and all of that. But when it comes to his relationship with God, he is 100% right on the money. He knows where he stands with God. It was a clear-cut decision. Reminds me of Joshua. And Joshua chapter 24 said, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Boy, that every home had a dad with that type of resolve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Daniel chapter one introduces us to four children taken from their homes in Judea, captive in Babylon in a pagan, a heathen environment, no parents to make them do right anymore, uh, no youth pastor, no pastor, no rabbi, nobody looking over their shoulder. They can live the Babylonian life if they want to. And when we're introduced to Daniel, who we are told he was a child at the time, the Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. A child didn't need his dad around to make him do right. Didn't need the teacher standing over his shoulder to make him do right. A child had purposed in his heart, I'm not defiling myself. I'm not eating the unclean food. I'm not drinking their booze. I'm not doing it. I'm staying clean before God. He purposed in his heart. That was a Job decision, but I will maintain my ways before him. A clear-cut decision. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, uh, he is testifying before the leaders of the church at Ephesus, the last time he would see him. He's saying, look, the Holy Spirit has told me in every place I stop that when I get to Jerusalem, that bonds and imprisonment await me. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. He made a clear decision. He said, he said, the Lord's told me that some tough days are coming my way, but I've decided it's not going to change anything about me. I'm going to finish my course in this ministry that God's given to me. Uh, he had that belief. Keeping your place here. Can I ask you to turn to Psalm 17? Just a few pages over, Psalm 17. It is a Psalm of David. Verse one, hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. I'm not just saying words to impress you. This is the truth and you know my heart. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Now, as you read through this, you understand David is going through a tough time. That's why he's pleading so desperately for God to, to help him to uh, bring about a, a just sentence on his uh, affairs that he's going through. Um, but he's, he's clear about this one thing. God, you visited me in the night. You know, when nobody else is around, in the night when it's dark and nobody else sees what we're doing. He said, you visited me in the night, he said, and you'll find nothing because I'm gonna be as right in the night as I am in the light. He said, and I've also purposed my mouth isn't gonna transgress. Um, David is making a similar statement. I will maintain my ways before him. Psalm 101, Psalm 101. Again, a psalm of David, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? 
I will walk within my house with a perfect heart when nobody else can see me. In the walls of my home, I'm still gonna walk in my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave me. He said, others may go away from God. Um, he said, I, I hate the work like that. He said, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm going to be Teflon when it comes to that. A froward heart, that means a rebellious, stubborn heart shall depart from me. And David's not just saying, I won't have one. He said, I'm not hanging around anybody who has it. I'm going to stay separate. Uh, again, I will not know a wicked person. So David is making a similar set of I will statements, just saying, I'm going to stay right with God. A clear cut decision. Going back to Job 13, verse number 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. It was a clear cut decision. Number two is a confident decision. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No, well, I'm going to try this and see how it turns out. That, that wasn't Job. It's I'm retaining mine integrity no matter what. Though he slay me, I'm still going to trust in him. It's a Habakkuk saying, though the crops fail and, and everything falls apart, I'm not losing my joy in the Lord. God is still going to be my strength. I'm going to stay right with God. There was a complete confidence in Job's trust in the Lord. Turn, if you would, to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm trying to make these verses easier to find than Habakkuk. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This has been put into the chorus of a song that we sing from time to time. In verse 12, Paul says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. When he wrote to Timothy, he was already in prison. He was already enduring some of the hardships. And by the time he gets to 2 Timothy, those hardships would be multiplied several times over, eventually resulting in his martyrdom, his death for the cause of Christ. For the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not sorry that I'm doing it. I'm not feeling bad like I wasted my life living for Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed even a little bit. And here's why. For I know whom I have believed. I know him. I know that he's good. I know that he's God. I know that he's wise. I know that he loves me. I know that his mercy endureth forever. I know that his faithfulness reaches higher than the heavens. I know that he is the creator. I know that he doeth all things well. I know that he loves me. I know that he is for me, said, because I know whom I have believed. Um, when you know Christ the way that Job knew God and the way that Paul knew Christ, you have a confidence in your faith and in your walk that a person who just has a casual acquaintance just does not comprehend. That person that seldom reads their Bible and they're not well acquainted with the truth of God, that person that seldom spends time at the throne of grace and, and gets to hear the voice of God, that person that seldom walks in the Spirit and are, are led by the Spirit of God, they don't understand the power and the greatness of their God. But Paul had such a walk. He said, I'm suffering a lot for the cause of Christ right now. He said, not bothering me a bit. Because I know 
whom I have believed, and look at this, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He said, Timothy, I've committed my whole life to Christ, and I am fully confident, I am fully persuaded that that which I've committed to Christ is safe in his keeping. And one day I'm gonna stand before the Lord, and it will be worth it all. I understand that the sufferings of this present time are earning for us a far exceeding eternal weight of glory. Paul had that confidence. That is what Job was expressing. Though he, he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I have no doubt in the goodness and the rightness and the faithfulness of God. It's a sad testimony to our faith when we go through a trial and we turn it around and say, God, if you loved me, surely you wouldn't have let this happen. Lord, I've served you with my whole life and you're letting this happen. God, this isn't fair. And when we turn it around and begin to accuse God, even so slightly, it speaks very poorly of the strength of our faith. Job had a faith in God that even though he suffered and his life was shaken up, his faith in God stayed firm. Later on in the book of Job, he would declare, for I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth and in my flesh, I shall see God. Oh, what a moment. Job had that belief. He had that faith. There's a third thing I want you to understand. It was a clear cut decision. It was a confident decision. It was a Christ honoring decision. Look at verse 15 again. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways, last two words, before him. The scripture says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. I don't see anything wrong with this. I think this is fine. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, the end thereof are the ways of death. In the book of Judges, twice in the last few chapters of that remarkable book of the Bible, God describes the spiritual climate and atmosphere in Israel for a period of 450 years. The Bible said in those days there was no king over Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want you to understand they didn't do that which is wrong in their own eyes. They did that which was right in their own eyes, but it wasn't right in the eyes of God, not even a little bit. Job's, when Job says, I'm going to maintain my ways, it wasn't, uh, I'm doing right in my own eyes. He said, I'm going to maintain my ways before him. I'm going to do that which is right in the eyes of God. You say, how do I know what's right in his eyes? You've got his word to tell you. Turn back to, or turn forward, Job 23. Boy, do I love this chapter. Job 23. Verse one, Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. He is answering Eliphaz, one of his friends, and the latest accusation. My stroke is heavier than my groaning, meaning the pain that I'm suffering is far heavier than anything that I've been able to put into words. Have you ever been at such a loss you didn't even know what words to pray? Has anybody ever been there? And about all that came out were tears and sound. 
Job said, that's the way I am. The hurt, the loss that I've suffered, the unanswered questions that fill my days, they're much heavier than anything that I've expressed or I'm, I'm able to express. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. If, if I could just come into his presence. Have you ever had those moments? I almost hesitate to ask it. Have you ever had a moment where you wondered where God was if he was even there? We get there. Sometimes life fills us with, with that level of despair. He said, I wish I knew where I could find him. I'd, I'd just like to come before him. I'd, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. I just want God to tell me why. I just wish he'd talk to me and tell me about it. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. Is God gonna smash me to the ground because I'm asking these questions? He said, no, that's not my God. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He loves me. So I know if I came to him, he's, he's not gonna destroy me. He'd strengthen me. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. And notice this, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for God and I'm searching to hear from him. And it doesn't matter which way I turn, I can't find him. And notice verse 10, we know it well, but he knoweth the way that I take. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing, but he knows right where I am. Isn't that an amazing statement of faith? He knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We all always stop at verse 10, but look at verse 11. My foot hath held whose steps? His steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by whom? The Lord. Psalm 37, 23. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So Job's trial is in its, its highest point and its deepest depth. And, and in the middle of that, he says, I'm still gonna stay right with God. I'm not gonna cast aside his words. Would you understand there's no evidence that Job had a written copy of God's word. Job is believed to be the oldest book of the Bible the oldest story or event contained in scripture for us. Uh, he didn't have the Bible as we have it today, but that they had the oral word of God. They, they had those messages God had spoken to Adam, to Enoch, to others, and, and passed down to, to the generations. He said, and I'm not passing God's word behind my back like it doesn't matter because I'm going through a tough time. He's saying, I'm not dec declining from that. I'm holding on to that. It was a Christ-honoring decision. I'm going to stay right with God. Back in Job 13, one last thing to draw your attention to. It was a clear cut decision. It was a confident decision. It was a Christ honoring decision and it was a crucial decision. It was a crucial decision. Job didn't know that Satan was watching this whole thing. Do you know Satan watches us? He watches us. 
He had no idea that Satan was watching because Satan was convinced that once God removed the hedge about him, God took away his wealth and his children and then his health, that Job would be just like everybody else in the world and he would curse God and, and, and walk away from God because in Satan's experience, that's what most human beings do. They only love God when God is their genie and they rub the lamp and they get their three wishes. God's not anybody's genie. He's God. Amen? Um, Satan's watching him. Job didn't know that, but he was. And Satan lost his wager with God because Job had no intention of walking away from God just because life got hard. Job's friends were watching him. They didn't like him. I, I think they already didn't like him before it happened. I think they were almost glad it happened. I think they were jealous of him. That's my opinion. You read their accusations against him. Those aren't the words of people who care about you. Not even a little bit. Um, Job staying right with God was crucial for them because at the end, turn to Job 42. Job 42. God had conversation with Job in which, by the way, he never told Job why everything happened. He just basically reiterated the fact, I'm God and you're not. Is that good enough for you? Hey, hey, child of God, he's God and you're not. Is that okay with you? When you can come to the place that God doesn't have to answer to you, you've, you've grown in grace where you just trust him no matter what. Uh, look, if you would, please, verse 7 of Job 42. It was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Boy, I would have hated to be those three yahoos right at that moment because now it's not Job talking to them. They're hearing from God himself. And God said, my wrath is kindled against you. I don't want God mad at me. You say, what does that look like? Can you spell Sodom and Gomorrah? That's what God does when he gets mad. My wrath is kindled against thee and thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job. You see how many times God calls him my servant Job? This guy belongs to me. God is, God is if you will, actually proud to claim he's mine. Just as much as he was proud of him when Satan came, God said, hast thou considered my servant Job? God was proud of his servant. And in chapter two, after Job had lost his, his wealth and his children and he still loved God, he said, hast thou considered my servant Job that he's still right with me? And in the end of his story, God is bragging on This is my servant Job. This is my servant Job over and over again. My servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. In other words, the only chance they had to get right with God was through Job's intercession for them. It was a crucial decision that that man stayed right with God. As you and I go through life, Lord willing, we'll never go through what Job did. I, I wouldn't want that for my worst enemy. I, I really, truly would not. But we're going to go through trials. 
Some of you have already been through, through some big things. Some of you are in the middle of them. And if none of those things are true, you will. You will. When that moment comes, would you understand that it, you need to have a decision, some things settled in your heart. No matter what, I'm going to maintain my ways before him. Because there are other people watching you. There are other people being influenced by you. And at that moment, you could lose your testimony because you lose your temper with God and you may destroy them in the process. It was a crucial decision. We're not sure when Joseph from the book of Genesis came to understand that though his brothers meant it for evil, God meant it for good. It's the book of Genesis rendition of Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We're not sure when Joseph understood that truth. It might have been the day he saw his brothers there and everything fell into place and the dreams that he had as a 17-year-old came back and he saw it all happening and he began to understand that God meant for him to save his family from starvation. We don't know if it was there. We don't know if it was something that he always believed. But you understand that if any time during Joseph's journey prior to that time when he, he, he had finished his, his course, saved his family, saved Israel, saved the line of the Messiah. If at any time from 17 on up through 39, Job had said, forget this stuff. And if Potiphar's wife wants to, to, ha to have an affair with me, fine. God hasn't done anything good to me. God hasn't been fair. Why shouldn't I go away and do my own thing? Do you realize if Job had blown it then, the rest of his story probably wouldn't have happened. Now, God could have still brought deliverance. It just wouldn't have been through Joseph. Do you understand when Esther was, was faced with that awful decision, it, she could have made another choice and said, I'm just going to look after me, myself, and I. But she decided, I'm going to trust God and put myself on the line and saved an entire nation that, that were slated for extermination and, again, preserved the line of the Messiah that would save the world. It's crucial it's crucial. You say, when should we make such a choice? Now. And then make it again tomorrow. Then make it again the next day. Lord, today, by the grace of God, I will maintain my ways before you. Um, don't let that little thing upset your apple cart and ruin your testimony. Don't let that big thing, yeah, it's a burden. It will cause the tears to flow, but don't let it shake and rattle your faith. Though he slay me, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I will maintain my ways before him. Every child, every teenager, every adult who names the name of Christ needs to come to a place of such a clear-cut, confident, Christ-honoring decision because it is utterly crucial as things play out.